everyone welcome back to swiping sunday i hope something great happens to you today and i hope that you enjoy this episode it is not like the rest that i've done so far it is going to be my first solo episode it's on a topic that i just feel like i need to talk about um it's something prevalent in my life right now and just really something i think that although this podcast is about connecting and and really I mean, I want to help people and and just feel like I'm a part of something that's greater than me. Um, that's where I kind of feel fulfillment is when I see that I help someone or make someone smile or just like show someone that they're not alone because I think that that's something that we all struggle with is just feeling alone in our emotions or our struggles and, and it's never the case. We all have bad days and I think they're unavoidable. No one's life is perfect and there's really no way that we can know what another person is going through because as we can tell from social media and the smiles that we see on people's faces in our feed, we put on a brave face to abide by society's demands of happiness and having it all together and the highlight reel that we always talk about. It's normal not to showcase the negative, the days where someone's love walks out of their life or their parents wake them up with screams from the kitchen, the days they get nothing done because their anxiety keeps them handcuffed to their bed, or when they fuck up with no excuse and they really just can't figure out how to fix it. I could go on forever because no one's life is perfect and it doesn't have to be. There are days when nothing in life is going to feel like it's going your way and you have no one to talk to about it that you think will actually understand. And those days are brutal, but we have to normalize that they happen to all of us. It's normal to, and it's also okay to be happy, but still have really negative days or upset days or or to be happy and still cry because you're not happy about some parts of your life. Like nothing is going to be perfect and that's okay. So I certainly don't share these moments with everyone, but I think it's important to share with someone. For me, I typically share those details with my family, but sometimes you need someone outside of your family for that. And I just don't feel that I always have that for everything because even though I do have a few really great friends that I know would talk to me about some things, I guess I just feel like I have a lot of emotion and I'm like too much to handle sometimes. Not even, I don't even know how else to explain it. I just, I know and I'm very vocal about the fact that I'm very emotional and I think that I do show that to some of my friends or like give them peeks at it, but I know that I feel things very deeply and I think that that's hard for some people to understand. And it's also really hard to open up about things that you know you can't change. And I think sometimes I let those things take up the most space in my heart. But those conversations are harder to have because you're not looking for advice or an answer because there is none. So if there's no end game and there's no change that can come out of your conversation, you're just telling someone this trauma happened to me or this situation is happening or my family member is sick. And you're basically just being completely vulnerable in hopes that letting it out will help you feel better about it somehow, which I do see the importance in not bottling things up and just crying or letting yourself feel that. But it's definitely harder to go for within a friendship and and not feel uncomfortable or not think that you're making that friend feel uncomfortable too. I think the last time that I actually like opened up about something was with my best friend drunk over what was that the 4th of July and just finally talked about something that I hadn't talked to anyone about. And I mean, I think it's half normal to have to be drunk to talk about some things. I mean, no. I take that back. It's not normal. It's just easier. And so I'm working on not feeling like I'm a burden just by talking to someone and I don't know, I'm getting so far off topic, but 
I keep it in sometimes is basically what I'm getting at. (laughs) And in effort to stop doing that, to just really let out my emotions and have a real session with myself and then share it with you guys in hopes that you can connect to it and understand it and hopefully feel like you're not alone if you feel some of these things or can relate to this story that I found in my journal from a few years ago, um, then I'd be really happy. So this episode is going to be about my poppy and Alzheimer's. Those who know me might know of him through the hysterical Snapchats that I share with the world, but that's not all he is. He's definitely hilarious, young-hearted, and one of my best friends, but his life was and is much harder than what you see, and he's built the family that I'm so lucky to be a part of. He grew up in a household with love, but it also included a heart full of tragedy and resentment that I'll leave unexplained for his privacy. He told me about so many jobs that he's juggled in his lifetime, starting at such a young age that I'm not even able to remember them all. And when he married my nanny at age 18, he lived and worked every single day of his life for his wife and his kids, not often home for more than dinner, if that. That was my poppy's life. It was work until he retired when my nanny got sick and until a part of him died when she did in 2012. The moment you see a man who has been the backbone of a family cry is a moment you never forget. He's an old school Italian, he's owned pizza parlors and candy shops, and no one would dare mess with him or his German shepherds. He demanded and deserved respect from everyone. He was a hard ass on his kids growing up, and he only softened up at the sound of his first grandchild's cry. Yet he still wanted to go with his wife when she left. He banged his hands on the kitchen table saying he should have gone first, he should be with her, and that none of this was right. But he was healthy as an ox and sharp as a knife until years later. And I believe a huge part of his detriment started with losing who he lived for. So when Alzheimer's became real with him, I started taking more videos. I went to the diner for our waffles and coffee as many times as he wanted. I even took notes a few times when he was sharing stories. And I just wrote a lot. And writing is something I've been struggling with recently. And I think it's because I write best when it's about real deep emotion in the moment. So I've been feeling blocked. And I think it might be in part because it's hard to look some of these emotions in the eye when living back home. It's like they've just been there. They're enduring. And I live with them. So although I have days where I'm happy and so satisfied with what I'm doing and where I'm going, that pain is still there and I've kind of learned to ignore it. If someone you know has Alzheimer's, first of all, I'm sorry. But second of all, I hope you know that there is no right way or best way to decide how to deal with it or how to move forward with care. I lost my grandmother, not my poppy's wife, but my dad's mother to Alzheimer's just last year. I wasn't around for the progression of her disease. I was in college when it started and I was in Manhattan when it ended. It was heartbreaking to visit her in the nursing home and honestly, I did not go as much as I should have because of the pit that it threw into my stomach each time. And for me, when I finally got home or or was visiting my family back home, the fact that she wasn't really there, even though she was there physically, avoiding it is how I ended up dealing with it. And I regret that. But I saw my poppy almost every day growing up. He lived around the corner from my house. He had been living at my parents' house since before his Alzheimer's began. And now that I'm living back home after COVID sent me out of New York, I'm hyper aware of this disease and how it can torture those who don't even have it. We wanted him to stay here. We've gotten aids to help my mom in caring for him. And we truly love being able to just go and hug him and laugh with him when he's having those moments of poppy. But what no one understands is that my mom is still his full caretaker, whether they come help or not. She's worried about his happiness throughout the day. She worries about the aide's abilities to keep him occupied. She worries about the millions of things that can go wrong when a grown man begins to think like a child again. 
She is the one who has to step in when they can't control him. She has to contain her frustration when he stops understanding words for part of the day. She has to wake up a million times throughout the night when he doesn't want to sleep. And she has to deal with others pretending that he's doing good when they see him. And the truth is there's no such thing anymore. Because those few hours others may see him might be happy and he always has a way of making us laugh. And those are great glimpses that definitely keep us going. But you have no idea how it is the rest. Finding frozen foods in the medicine cabinet. Finding pieces of his past that he buries and hides in drawers. Seeing him forget how to open a water bottle. Having to tell him that his wife died. And take the fury that builds within him. Thinking that we hid it from him. Or rationalizing with him as he mistakes you for someone else. It rips your heart and soul out, honestly. And I truly don't know how the right or best way is to deal with it. The disease is unimaginable, sometimes unmanageable, and the care is nonstop. You will battle yourself constantly with what to do for them and for you. After your whole life having them right there, how do you come to a decision to drop them off in someone else's care? Your brain will picture the moments that they're there, alone, looking for you, looking at pictures of us slowly fading, and God forbid they're scared. It's gut-wrenching, but unfortunately this disease and the decisions that come along with it only get harder. And we've learned that with my grandma. So we do what we can. The truth is more than 5 million people in America are living with Alzheimer's. It is the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. One in three seniors die with Alzheimer's or dementia. And over 50% of all primary care physicians admit that we're nowhere near prepared for how this disease is continuing to progress. So in opening up to all of you about this, many of whom I know may have experienced the same thing, I hope we can continue to create conversation and further research needed for Alzheimer's because no one should have to deal with this. Now I'm going to go into the journal entry that kind of sparked my idea to talk about this. At the time, I wrote about what was stressing me out and all that I had planned to do that day until I heard a whistle. I woke up and walked to the bathroom. My poppy, who lives in our apartment downstairs, heard my footsteps. So, as always, he opened his door and started whistling. That's his subtle, adorable, and brutally heartbreaking way to let us know that he's awake and doing nothing if anyone's home. And in that moment, I knew that everything on my plate was going to be wiped away because I needed to spend some time with him today too. After some walks, talks, and games, I said I had to go get a few things done, but that I'd be back. And he said, all right, I'll be here. All right, I'll be here sounds like a pretty simple, non-consequential sentence, right? For me, it turned into a sentence that tenses my entire body every time I hear it. I'm lucky to have a relationship that I do with the people that I was blessed with by blood, but my poppy has Alzheimer's. So when I get home, I make sure to go into his apartment and say hi and hug him. And when I'm selfish enough to leave my mom with him for the rest of the day, I typically say, I'll be back or I'll see you in a bit. And he replies without fail saying, all right, I'll be here. I never knew three words absent of hate or love could break a heart, but it cuts deeper every single time. Those words, which are physically true, he will be there downstairs waiting for someone. I also know it's becoming a lie because one day he won't be there and lately he's not all there. So today when he said it, as I was two steps away from being on the second floor, I stopped. I took a deep breath to prevent myself from crying and I walked back downstairs. I may want to apply to jobs, focus on my blog, see friends, work out or watch stupid TV, but I need to spend time with him because he lied to me. He won't be there soon, and I can't live with myself knowing that I lived days without him before he was really gone. I wrote this in September of 2017. I don't know how it's already 2020, but that nightmare of a truth becoming a lie has been proven. I took my poppy for a ride today. 
We went to Duncan, a staple of his daily routine when he still had his license. Those few minutes in the car are sometimes more of a heartbreak than a help. There are no sentences left in him. There are words that I can sometimes figure out from ideas. I held his hand and smiled at him. And he smiles back and occasionally remembers my nicknames. But his eyes aren't the same for more than a few moments. He loses it and he lost himself. And I struggle wondering who it's hurting more, us or him. Does he know that he doesn't know? Sometimes he must when he's scared or confused. Does he struggle to say words and doesn't know why he can't say them? Does he get scared at night and want to stay up because he knows he'll wake up even more confused? Our dinner dates that used to be full of wisdom and storytelling have become a carousel of thoughts. Our projects that taught me how to use my hands have turned into me holding his. Our inside jokes have become secrets to him too. Our movie nights have become reruns and our memories have become only mine. Watching my poppy struggle with Alzheimer's and the effect it has on my family has broken me many times, but it reinforced the constant truth of loving those around you with all that you have while you have them. Because he created my love of love, and he is love, but he lost some of his, so I'll make sure that it's remembered. I tried re-recording this a few times, I tried editing it and trying to make it seem different, but the truth is this is my first take. What you just heard is the first time that I read it out loud with a microphone in front of my face. I read it to my parents first and even to my sister and they actually started crying when I said the part about stopping when I heard a whistle because that's a part of Poppy. But the reality of the situation is that no one has the same experience or same stories, but we most likely do have the same feelings. You'll feel torn about how to care for them best and how to care for yourself while caring for them. You'll feel lost and confused at how this happened so fast. You'll feel bittersweet emotions when little pieces of them show up throughout the day. You'll feel heartache that is impossible to repair and you'll always wonder if you could be doing more or if you did enough. But right now, especially with COVID and 2020, I just feel really lucky that I came home during this time and I'm able to get these extra hours and days and weeks and months with my family and with him because even though sometimes it's really hard to look at him and see that he doesn't really understand what's going on around him, I'm still here with him and the times that I just jump around and act like a maniac to try and get him to laugh or funny things that I catch him saying on camera when he's having those moments of himself, that's basically what I live for. So I'm just going to share this with my stuffed up, teary-eyed emotions pouring out of it because that's what the reality of the situation is and if I want to create a platform where people are going to be honest with themselves and honest with me, then I have to do the same. And there's no way that this topic and this conversation would ever be completely honest and real if I didn't leave that in it. So if you're listening to this and you know someone who has Alzheimer's, I hope that it gives you some sort of comfort in knowing that the teetering thoughts and enduring pain that comes with loving someone with this disease is something you're not alone in. This is just my version of a story about Alzheimer's and a tribute to my poppy. All right, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you all have a great week ahead and remember to rate, comment, or review Swiping Sunday so that I can make sure next episode is even better. Bye guys.